0: Okay, welcome back to What Is and What Could Be with Michael Clark, Architect. Pleasure to be here with you again. Thank you for lending me your ears for this next little while as we talk through what it feels like to collaborate with an architect and what is involved in realising an architectural project. We talk through the creative thinking behind the design of spaces and places. And today, episode 20 small little clap to celebrate this achievement, small achievement. Let's keep these episodes going so no rest for the wicked or whatever the saying is. I wanted to circle back to one of the original points raised in these podcast episodes and that is this question, why work with an architect? One could argue that this is a question we'll come back to either explicitly or implicitly through implied language and implied discussion in each episode because it's a passion project of mine. But yeah, why? Why work with an architect? And we've answered that two ways. We've discussed at length over the course of these episodes what it is that an architect does. And to a lesser extent, why we do what we do, and it's something we'll circle back to and talk to guests about, etc. But I wanted to go back to the why, why we do what we do. And as I said, I haven't spoken about certainly my why in any great detail. I've asked guests to contribute, I've spoken to an extent about the why, the why podcast a little bit. and Maybe it's implied in some of the other episodes, but today I want to speak to the why An architect would want to work with a client. Why would an architect say yes to a commission when invited or pursue a client? And I don't mean that in the kind of stalking way. I mean it from a networking, nurturing perspective, putting themselves out there, increasing visibility, reconnecting or connecting with a company organization through an expression of interest, or a competition submission, whatever it is. What is it that compels an architect to pursue a project, pursue a client, pursue a commission, or say yes to a commission when invited? And I want to explain that the reason I'm doing this is from a place of kindness, compassion, sympathy, empathy. I'm completely aware of how many are unsure as to whether they should embark on a journey that would include an architect in realizing a project. That there are emotional, energetic and economical uncertainties with the undertaking. That's my first alliteration for the day. We're going to see if we can get to three by the end. And as a consequence of me appreciating that, understanding that on an empathetic level, I really wanted to talk through this. So as to maybe move away from a situation where clients, potential clients, people potentially looking at engaging an architect, but for whatever reason are not, might change their mind. And the reason this came up is that in my business coaching group that I'm in, uh, one of my mentors and a colleague in the uh, coaching group were talking about something the other day, and they had indicated that they'd always been of the opinion that architects, an architectural project, realising one of their projects with an architect, was something not available for them. It was something only available for a select group of society, that they didn't deserve an architect, their project doesn't warrant or justify an architect. And that troubles me. And to be clear, or sorry, to be fair to them, they're not unique. I don't have statistics in front of me. I've read this somewhere before. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I wish we had more updated statistics on some of these topics. I'm sort of trying to reach out to people to obtain them in amongst other commitments in my life. But I remember reading somewhere that around 5% or possibly even less than 5% of houses in Australia are designed or even include an architect. And that troubles me. But it also indicates that the belief that these colleagues had is not far from what most of the population think. How that compares to the rest of the world, I don't know, but you can appreciate it. I mean, yeah, you're welcome. If you're listening to debunk that, to challenge that, to correct me on those statistics, I welcome that. But for now we're going to run with it. And so on that notion, on that topic, if you like, I'm doing this because I want to change that statistic particularly if it relates to this foregone conclusion that an architect would not be interested in your project or that your project doesn't justify an architect. So I'm trying to put the potential clients in the mind of an architect to appreciate that maybe in some ways it actually doesn't take a lot to compel an architect to get them on to a project. We'll we'll go into that. But why would we say yes to a project? And I'm going to speak to some uh, three headings and I'm only going to talk to one of them today. I'm going to split this over three episodes. I realized when rehearsing these episodes, I'm going to use that word rehearse because that is some way, uh, one way I work through the podcast content. It sounded a little bit too heavy with all three at the same time, so I'm not going to do that. I'll talk about them, I'll, I'll, I'll put them all in front of you now, but I'm only going to speak about the first one now and they're in no particular order. And you've got to remember, like most things on this podcast series, these this is my opinion. These are my thoughts. They are not necessarily indicative of everyone in the profession. Uh, but I don't sit in some isolated chamber. I've been working for a long time uh, and I'm affiliated with uh, organisations, institutions, universities, the Institute of Australian Architects. I've worked for companies, I've worked with You know, directors, associates, small and big business owners. And so, what I'm putting forward is not, you know, far off the mindset that a lot of architects have, but I can't speak hand on heart to say, here's an analysis of a survey that I recently done, and this is the outcome. It'd be something cool to do. Until then, this is my opinion. And three items in no particular order and in no hierarchy and the idea i think i just thumped the microphone sorry if you've got a bit of a jarring to your ears the idea is that as a as an as an architect we'd like to have at least two of those these three ideally three and ideally not one if you only get one of the three you really got to ask yourself is it a project worth undertaking now i'm saying this for the benefit of, of colleagues out there that might sort of want to put some science behind what they say yes or no to as much as I'm saying it to colleagues out there that are thinking of going with an architect or wondering why we'd say yes. Remember this comes from a place of kindness, compassion, sympathy, empathy. I'm not here to continue to further the idea that, you know, there's some mysticism associated with architects that you can't approach them. I really want to debunk that. Here are the three. Good. Good fee. Good clients. And good project. Important to note that when I say good, I say it with emphasis. I say it, you know, in inverted commas, which I think vocally or orally you describe by emphasizing the word. But it is relative, obviously, what is good for one company, one director, one firm is different to another. But let's stay with it. And you might think good fee, good client. Equals a good project. Well, no, I want to separate the money and what the money relates to in terms of what we're trying to achieve from the client, the individual, the organisation and how they go about realising their project, communications, their mindset, their vision from the project, that is the site, the location, the programme, what what is in it, etc. So good fee, good client, Good project. This was something that a colleague many, many years ago, when I think I was studying for the registration exam, put forward as something they use for consideration. And I thought it would be good to discuss now. So I'm only going to talk about good fee today. We'll do good client in another episode, good project in an episode after that. So, good fee. Really quickly, hopefully it goes without saying, but even though this is a creative undertaking and you know we love it. I love it. I love getting involved in design, realizing design, working through drawings, working through options. But at the end of the day, please appreciate that we are running a business. That enthusiasm for design, for the creative output is not without the, you know, the reality that we have bills to pay. <laughs> uh, so we are trying to stay afloat as an organization, as a business. And that means, you know, we are trying to run at a profit, ideally, or at least stay in black, as they say, definitely not go below the line into red. Uh, and that's simply because we're running a business, right? We're not immune to that. We're not immune to bills. We're not immune to the desire to grow, employ more staff, be a bigger organization to deliver bigger service or whatever it is. Or if you're not for profit, whatever wages we're paying, whatever it might be, right? We're not immune to that. So please appreciate that, you know, this is still a business. Probably goes without saying. And then the other one just on economics, and I don't want to dwell on this, is that what we're doing is trying to help the client manage risk. Implied there is, you know, remove risk. Remove risk of non-compliance in regards to planning controls or building code of Australia controls, that the build has some component that doesn't comply with some of those items. Because, you know, that is an area of uh, expertise and knowledge base that clients don't have that, you know, it doesn't leak, it doesn't crack, it doesn't, you know, um, it's not incongruous with client expectations in regards to their vision, their their brief, their program, whatever it is. That's a risk management exercise. We don't want the client to have to, you know, uh, necessarily put their hand in their pocket for things to be amended Whatever you can, whatever risk management means to you, but we are putting our hand forward to help manage the client's risk and with that comes an expectation of reward. With risk comes an expectation of reward. Now, just on the topic of risk, it's not as simple to say the bigger the project, the bigger the overall cost, the greater the risk and then the reverse. The smaller the project, the smaller the overall cost, the smaller the risk. You could have a really big project that is essentially... A repeat of frame modules or something. So the work involved in realizing that, and the pattern involved, and you know, essentially, it's a storage space. You know, maybe not necessarily a lot of risk, not a lot of users, not a lot of variation to the program, not a lot of overall fire restriction or fire protection requirements compared with something that is small, like a kitchen, where you might think there's almost no risk there but there is usually quite a lot of client expectation to achieve a result there's probably a budget constraint there's a time constraint if there is a quite a big time constraint and they want to move fast on it they might require that the architects mobilize quickly and with that comes an associated risk of dropping everything and moving on to that project whatever it might be A tower on top of a shopping complex or an apartment tower or commercial tower on top of a shopping complex involves a lot of people, a lot of varied programs, uses, a lot of people and a lot of those variations uh, equals high risk compared with a house that is for one user. But it is not as simple either way. A project that is, you know, 10, 20, 30 Oh, hundreds of millions of dollars simply signing up to that means that you might be exposed you as an architect might be exposed for any false rectifications that occur and that comes with a lot of risk a lot of financial risk that comes with a lot of financial expectation i think rightfully of financial reward anyway so risk expectation for reward reward in this case is expectation for fee uh, running a business comes with all the things associated with business, even though it's a creative undertaking. You know, artists, sculptors, they still have BAS, they still have income tax, even though you think what they're doing is creative and uh, they're not immune to that. But the real thing I want to speak to is this design component associated with the fee. Throughout this podcast series, I've explained that In my opinion, this is something that was um, put forward to me many years ago that I certainly subscribe to and have elaborated on throughout this series, is the idea that design doesn't stop at the concept design stage. It changes focus, meaning that at various stages, and here we go with alliteration number two, I did say I was going to get to three, I think I've missed one on my show note, I'll try and come back to it. Alliteration number two, in the design exercise, we are pushing, pulling, prodding, reviewing the project against precedent and proportion. That equals design iterations, equals time, time equals money. So what we're trying to do in the review of a good fee is work through a figure that allows us to realise the project... And achieve a design response, a special design response, a specific design response to that client's vision and place that aligns with the design exercise we think we need to undertake. That's not an indulgence necessarily, that's the service that we want to offer. And also, creative uh, allocating hours to a creative undertaking is really tricky. Even though we've been doing it for years, and even though we're trying to model it on a previous. Project, similar site, similar size, similar budget, whatever, it's really hard. I had a colleague who means, not a colleague, a a mentor, tutor, lecturer, who now I would call a colleague, means a lot to me, very influential in my education. And they explained in second year when we were all sort of sitting there wondering why, you know, we'd spent two days on the weekend trying to achieve something for a design and hadn't got, you know, two hours, let's call it, 16 hours of positive feedback. Not that we were expecting the tutor to talk for 16 hours, but the tutor wasn't saying in response to what was on the wall, wow, that looks like 16 hours of achievement. They explained that, you know, unlike writing an essay, and this is not to simplify the task of writing an essay, obviously depending on the topic and depending on the number of words and whatever, you know, I'm I'm trying to find something that's a little bit more um, prosaic necessarily. An undertaking than the creative act of designing. Generally speaking, four hours, five hours, six hours in will result in an outcome that's pretty good. A more simple version is uh, for me, my kitchen's often in a state. That is the nature of our house and I am often responsible for making it better and it's usually my weekend pursuit. When I say weekend pursuit, it doesn't take me all weekend, sometimes it does. But when I sit, it takes me not a whole weekend to clean it, but it takes me a whole weekend to get to cleaning it, and I do it in droops and drabs. Not to overly expose my life here, but the point being that when I dedicate a solid hour, focused solid hour, I achieve a result. That is, the kitchen looks great. Not the case for design. You could spend an hour on a design exercise and still have something Sorry, let me say that differently. You could spend an hour on a design exercise and have something incredible. You could spend six hours, eight hours, 10 hours on something and still have something average. I have been doing this for a while and I will admit that the other day I was trying to unlock a solution to a a tight kitchen on, on one of the projects I was looking at and I spent some time on that, four, five, six hours. I can't quite remember, at least four or five hours. And at the end of that, I was, you know, no better, in my opinion. And those days at Design Studio where, you know, we did work all those hours and second year is a little bit too different to 20 something year, 22nd year maybe, I can't remember what I'm at, probably 20, 20 actually, years post-graduation, they... uh In design studio, I would think when I'd come in each week, well, look what I've done. And, do you know, I spent the whole weekend and they weren't, they, the tutors weren't too impressed necessarily. And in my defense or their defense, I don't know that I did spend a solid 16 hours. I think there was a lot of sort of procrastination and a sort of line here that wasn't really a line considered. You know, I don't know that the efficiencies were there. They certainly are there now. And we do try our best based on previous projects, but it is hard. It's really hard to say if I allocate this amount of time and reflect that in my fee, that I'm going to come up with a response. The idea that is after many years of doing it, you will. And that is usually the case that you believe in a process and an outcome will, will follow. And that has been my experience as the years go on, but no guarantees, right? So I guess what I really want to appreciate or put forward is when we say a good fee, there's those two first components of risk and, and you know the fact we're running a business. But we want to find a way to be able to deliver the project with a design emphasis and design response. And that requires time. Time equals money. Money equals fee. Okay, that's it for this episode. When we're looking at good fee, they're the three things that we're looking at. We're not in this game necessarily to make millions or thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, though. You know, we are running a business and I, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing for an architect to pursue or that we should be considered untoward as a consequence because like everyone else, we have aspirations. At the same time, though, what I like to do is put forward enough time to allow me to achieve what I want to achieve. And that's true of um, a lot of practitioners. And so they have the context of what could be considered a good fee. Now in another episode we can go into you know what what is what is considered a good fee I'll never give that for I'll never say that 10 12 14 15 16% that's not something that I'm at liberty to discuss I will perhaps elaborate on the concept of you know a lump sum fee versus hourly rates versus a percentage cost maybe with colleagues or similar to appreciate you know the pros and cons associated with each for both client and, and architect but you'll never, for me, he like normally, you know, expect architects to charge 10, 12, 14, 16 percent. That's uh, not something I can discuss. But from an empathetic, sympathetic understanding perspective, an effort to put the client in the mind of the architect to see where they're coming from, when considering a project, one of the three things they would like to have ticked before saying yes to a project, or certainly I would, and a lot of my colleagues would is to say that I've got a good fee. If I don't have a good fee, then let's make sure I've got a good client and a good project and we'll talk about them in another episode. All right. Thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure to be with you here today on What Is and What Could Be with Michael Clark Architect. See you next time. Thanks. Bye.